What's happening? It's cracking. What's popping? Welcome to Throwing Stone alongside Ryan Griffin. I'm Matt Basson. If you don't know by now, you shouldn't know. We're talking hoops. Not just our beloved Pistons. We get you covered in college. Olympus when they have round as well. But today, all about the NBA. The play-in tournament is underway as we get rolling here. Ryan, we're going to jump to the NBA just like someone going to jump to the NBA. Maybe. <laughs> Jawan Howard, <laughs> Michigan head coach. Already being in talks, the Lakers would love to talk to this man, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, they already talked to him once. They interviewed him back in 2019 before Frank Vogel ended up getting the uh, the coaching job for him. And it's it makes a lot of sense. You know, Juwan Howard played with LeBron James, obviously. I think in the final year in Cleveland, he ended up coaching uh, LeBron. I think it was his first year being an assistant coach. You know, Juwan or LeBron was like publicly supportive of, of Juwan when he when he got the Michigan job, and it it's not saying it's going to happen, but I do think that this is I, maybe more realistic than some of the Harbaugh stuff that we seem to see every year, mm-hmm. right? Where it's oh NFL team wants to talk to Harbaugh. Harbaugh's making a jump to the NFL, but I mean, like we even saw this year, Harbaugh probably would have left if they had offered them the job, mm-hmm. and with Juwan. I don't know that he has that same level of attachment to Michigan that like Harbaugh has. I know they both played there, but if you're going to tell me Harbaugh is in Michigan for 20 years, I'd say, okay, it doesn't seem like that's really going to be the case with Juwan Howard. And I know the Lakers basketball wise are kind of a mess right now, but like, it's still the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, man. Like that only comes around once every so often, a, a little bit more often now than it used to. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's the offer that, you know, Juwan's like really going to have to seriously consider being that you, you, you would obviously have LeBron James, you would have Anthony Davis, Westbrook might get moved, and not that those two guys, Davis specifically, are always healthy, but it's still the coach of the Lakers. You're still coaching LeBron James, and, you know, you still get to come out to, to Hollywood, to L.A., and if you're the guy that can turn the Lakers around, I mean, you're, you're going to be king of the world. I don't know, man. Like normally, Same. normally I jump at that chance, but the Lakers don't have their own first round pick till twenty twenty five at the I early. That's without any moves they're gonna have to make this upcoming off season to try and have a team that's in contention. All right, it is not a healthy culture right now. You saw the way all the stuff went down with Vogel. They made this man a scapegoat for a LeBron's team. For LeBron team decisions, they made Frank Vogel the absolute scapegoat. And now you got all the stuff with Russ and him sitting there just dumping all over his now former head coach as well, throwing that man well under the bus. And just you got old heads there, old names, big names, but they old names and no chemistry, no health, a complete disappointment. You know, most of the years that LeBron has been in LA. They have a bubble championship, and you are hard-pressed to find real basketball fans that consider that a real championship for the way it went down. That if that was a regular season, they don't think the Lakers are winning that championship. So if you're Jawan, where things are pretty good at Michigan, three years, 61-32, and two NCAA tournaments, a decent tournament run this past year on a team that disappointed through the regular season, but you're back home. You are at your university, your alma mater. Like, I get it's the Lakers. 
but these ain't the Lakers, right? <laughs> they just this is not the way the Lakers do things. My entire life being a Laker fan, this is not the way my team did things. All of a sudden, the Lakers looking like the Cavs, looking like the Heat, looking like every other LeBron destination where it just looks like a mess above LeBron. Uh, I see, and I get all that. But, like, it's still the Lakers. And I do feel, honestly, Juwan's going to have a better ch- – if his goal is to win a championship, whether it's college or pro, you're going to have a better chance to win a championship with the Lakers in L.A. than you are at Michigan, you know, to win a to win a college title. That's, you know, just my opinion, of course. Um, but I think it's something that we've seen played out. I mean, Michigan's had great coaches. They had John Beeline. Uh, he wasn't able to get it done. And then the Lakers are able to get it done when you, you know, when you don't have really such a great coach. And L.A. is still a draw, so I know they don't have their first-round pick. But, you know, say, can you flip Anthony Davis? Or if Anthony Davis comes off the book, I don't really think that the Lakers are going to be really barren of talent for so many years like they were in kind of those final Kobe years and then, you know, between, like, Kobe and uh, and the LeBron years. And for, for Juwan, it's – like I said, I, mean, I, I don't know. I feel like – I feel like you should take it because you even look at his teams at Michigan. It really hasn't been that great. No, two or back-to-back Sweet 16s. They made the Elite Eight last year. But this year, they weren't really any good. I know they made the Sweet 16, but they were 17-13 his first year where the you know the COVID shortened or stopped the season, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they, they think they were like ninth in the Big Ten or eighth in the Big Ten or something. So they were going to be, you know, probably a little bit better than a bubble team. But they weren't going to be any type of like great, great shakes or great teams. And, you know, he's had some pretty good teams at Michigan, but it just doesn't seem like, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like Michigan under him is going to be elite, at least not at the level the Lakers could be relative to the NBA. And I think him and LeBron, I just think it wouldn't go down the same way it went down with Vogel. Not saying Juwan would ever be fired, but I don't know. You get all that scapegoating because him and LeBron are our boys. Or you think I get it. I, I do get it. I just I don't see why why he'd want to with the headaches that you've already seen there. And it just seems like everything's such a mess there. And I get why you jump. It's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. It is the marquee NBA franchise. It's one of the greatest sports franchises in the United States. Whole like, lot of banners when you walk in the when you walk in the Staples, still Staples. office, the head coaching, it's just a mess. And then the team itself, like, there's is a lot of age, <laughs> a lot of experience, a lot of bad knees, <laughs> and a lot of health issues. And and for, like, all the Michigan fans, here's one thing I would take solace in. He has a son in Michigan right now. He's got another son coming in this upcoming recruiting class. So those are two really big reasons for Juwan to stay in Michigan. You know, if he wants to coach his boys, it could be a lifelong dream for him. For him. Obviously, I don't know. But it seems like he wants to coach him, right? He recruited them both to, to his team. So if you're Michigan, that's probably the strongest point. And I think he'll end up staying at Michigan. But – if I were Juwan, I, I would seriously consider the Lakers offer. Be, you know, because it is the Lakers. You get LeBron James. You know, a few tweaks in a few years. I think they could be right back on the NBA mountaintop. I'm really like never going to count the Lakers out. If I'm him, I want like something in the contract about like this is my team, not LeBron's team. <laughs> <laughs> I make final decisions, not LeBron James. 
I just want to know that it's written in the contract that I that it is my team and that I am the head coach and I don't have to listen to this star that has no business being a GM because God, this man cannot put a team together to save his life. Let's jump into what's happening right now. Second year of the NBA play-in tournament. If you don't understand how this works, I'm with you. I get it. <laughs> Let me break it down for you. The eights and the sevens are battling. The winner is going to be the seven seed. The eight seed is not the eight seed yet. Tomorrow, Wednesday, the tens and the nines are going to battle. The winner is going to face the loser of the seven eight battle to be the eight seed. The loser is out. So that's where we at. We got right now Cleveland Cavaliers, Brooklyn Nets going on. Ryan, the Cavs, not bad, huh? Go from 15 plus losses last year to making the NBA play in tournament. The Brooklyn Nets expected to be a one or a two seed at preseason talk. And then all the Kyrie can't play anywhere in New York stuff happened. And KD had some injury issues. And so they end up with the exact same record in the exact same place, battling it out to stay alive in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for the Cavs here. I mean, not that they expected to be in this position, I guess, anyway. But you had Darius Garland have a breakout year. You know, Colin Sexton went down real early. If not, he's been like, you know, like even before. Uh, and then you had Evan Mobley, who's been, you know, the second best rookie in the, in the league. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that later. But the, the Cavs have been really good. J.B. Bickerstaff's done a great job with them over there and I just kind of feel bad for them that they got the Brooklyn draw because now Brooklyn does have Kyrie back and Kyrie is not going to miss any of these playoff games you wouldn't think unless it's due to injury mm -hmm. right but he can he can now play in in New York I guess unless they go to Toronto in some weird way maybe he still right. can't play there but he's going to be able to play against the Cavs he's going to be able to play against uh you know who whoever they might take on in the next round I guess and you know for Cleveland this seems like a pretty a pretty hefty mismatch and if they're able to get this game kudos to them but i think they should be eyeing that you know th that next game the uh the atlanta and hornets game to see if they can jump on one of them because i don't think it's happening here yeah i mean without jared allen and you know that has been a giant difference maker the man broke his finger Re revenge they, game against the nets yeah you know they with jared allen they're the fourth best defensive team in the nba without him they 22nd they're seven and eleven in the eighteen games since he went down. Three and eight in their last eleven coming into this game. Uh, and the last time they played the Nets, which was last week, they had no way of stopping Andre Drummond. Man, at fifteen points, twelve boards, they had no one up there to go up against him. And yes, you would think Evan Mobley is going to be tasked with that, but he is still a rookie. And like you say, it, it's an uphill battle, even if they had Jared Allen. In Colin Sexton, it'd be an uphill battle. But without those two, unless Darius Garland goes off, I mean, really off, and, and Mobley follows him with some, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar numbers of 30-plus points and 20 rebounds, you're thinking that the Cavs definitely should be uh, looking forward to hosting the winner of the Atlanta-Charlotte matchup. Yeah, well, I mean, and uh, Brooklyn's up nine right now with about three minutes to go in the first quarter. Um so like I said, I, I think they'll make quick work of them. It just gets different in the playoffs when you got guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, you know, when you got two guys that can go off for 30 easily, I mean, Durant averaged basically 30 this season, Irving when he played a little over 27. And on top of that, you got Seth Curry coming in right behind them with, you know, 15 a game as well. 
And Durant finding out more and more that, you know, if he played a little bit more like LeBron and dishes out assists, this team wins a heck of a lot more. When he, when Durant's out there averaging nine assists or more, the Nets are nine and two. When he drops 35 points a game, they're seven and six. So getting the teammates involved, he's already seen the numbers produce. And when you have Kyrie right there, it's really easy to get that teammate involved. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie doesn't even need you to get him involved. <laughs> he can get him involved himself. Well, we're all praying for Cleveland in this one, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. So the late stage game today, Tuesday, uh, the eight-seeded Clippers are at Minnesota taking on the Timberwolves, the revived Timberwolves, because just like the Cavaliers, Minnesota went from one of the worst teams last year to the play-in tournament this year. And, I mean, we've seen a revival of Carl Anthony Towns showing a whole new side that he's been apparently waiting to show us where he's not just a get-your-butt-on-the-block kind of player. He likes to step out, hit the mid-range, hit the deep shots, and the team, you know, new defensive strategy coming into this year, looking like it's paid off. Got some young cats to join him as well. You know, one of the best young cats in Anthony Edwards. And D'Angelo Russell's doing his thing too. You know, I'm not giving that man any respect. Yeah, I mean, so for the Clippers and the Wolves, I'm glad the Wolves are back. Well, they're not even even really in the playoffs, right? But the last time they were here was when they had Jimmy Butler. They still had uh, Towns. They had Andrew Wiggins. But I don't know, man. Like the and the the Wolves are actually favored in this game. I can't really understand why. Like I I really like the way the Clippers have been playing. Paul George just back. You know, Kawhi is not playing in this game. But if they advance, there's just like this kind of looming shadow, mysterious figure on is he just going to suit up one day and then be like, all right, I'm fine. I'm, I'm back for the playoffs. And then it changes the dynamic of that team completely if you add Kawhi Leonard. But I don't know. The Clippers just have a lot of guys, and it's typically not a team I like. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Paul George, but he's certainly great at, at basketball. You know, you can't take that away from him. Um, Reggie Jackson, we talked about last week. I've always liked his game, former Piston, obviously. And they have guys like Norm Powell and, you know, uh, like Robert Covington. And there's, there's just a collection of guys that the Clippers can throw at you that I think really makes it tough. And they are more experienced than this Timberwolves team is I know the Wolves have been better this year, but I think the Clippers have just dealt with some other things. You know, they had stretches where both uh, Kawhi and Paul George were hurt, and I think they have the uh, I think they have the coaching advantage as well. I think Ty Lue's done a really good job with this Clippers team this year. Wait a minute, wait, hang on, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me an LA team can be missing two of its best players for a long stretch of the season and still make the playoffs? Well, one of them. One out of two. <laughs> Half isn't bad. No, I, I'm with you on, uh, you know, the why is everyone behind Minnesota, you know, and I went looking to find out, you know, why everyone's behind Minnesota. I mean, and a lot of it has to do, you know, with the way Carl Anthony Towns is, has played and led this team this year. Uh, but against the Clippers, that's not the case. He averages 15 a game this season against the Clippers, shooting just 42% from the field. Those are huge drop-offs for what Carl Anthony Towns has done this year. So, and, you know, the Clippers, they won three out of four against them. The three they won, like, apparently they were all in November. So it's like, how can you really take from that? But, yeah. you know, the Clippers, like you said, they still made the postseason without Paul George for most of that run, without Kawhi Leonard for all of the run. And now Paul George is back and he's playing at MVP level basketball, which is what he was doing before he got hurt. 
offensively, defensively, that man is involved in the team. And when he was away, it was time for guys like Reggie Jackson or uh, uh, Terrence Mann to step up in his, you know, in his absence. And you got some more run for these other guys who are now used to playing pressure minutes and used to being at the end of the basketball game. And so now you add Paul George back into that. I agree with you. I think the Clippers should be favored in this one. And I think even just moving forward, um, you know, if the Clippers end up making it out of this on Thursday, we're going to do some like playoff playoff picks. Um, The Clippers could be a a dark horse, man, depending obviously on what happens with Kawhi. But there's that's a that's a scary team. That's a team who, you know, if I'm the seven, I don't want them to win. And if I'm the one, I'm like, oh, please win this game. Like, I, I, I want to avoid the Clippers in the first round, if at all possible. Well, we're going to find out how they do when they, this game ends up later on tonight. We move on to the Wednesday games and the 10-9 matchup. Charlotte, Atlanta. This one going to be fun. We got two of the young hot guards in the NBA, Trey Young, LaMelo Ball. These two teams split the season series 2-2, each winning one at home and one on the road. This year, Trey Young, the second player ever to lead the league in points and assists in the same season. Tiny Archibald, the other man to ever accomplish that feat. Uh, The way that he just runs the offense for Atlanta, I mean, it's all on him both as a shooter and as a floor general, because when he's rolling, Atlanta's rolling. When he's off, Atlanta's off. So Hornets got to find a way to disrupt uh, Trey Young if they have any chance of pulling off this upset. Yeah, this guard matchup's going to be super fun. These are two of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. Uh, Atlanta, probably a little bit disappointed to be here, you know, after making the conference finals last year mm-hmm. and then losing to Milwaukee, obviously. But it was a team where, you know, people kind of expected them to maybe make that next leap and solidify themselves as top four or five in the East. And now they're out here in the ninth seed playing in the playing game, you know, even the lesser of the playing games where if you lose once, you're, you're done. It's really the only shame is that, you know, either LaMelo or Trey Young isn't going to be in the, in the actual playoffs after this. Well, possibly. Oh, well, wait, my yeah. bad. this is the 10. Yep. One's out for sure. My fault. Yeah, one's out for sure, and you know, hope they might both be out as hope not, but maybe any, anything can happen, really. But I think, it, I think Atlanta's just put together um, some stuff here, like at the end of the season, because they started off really bad. Um, to where over the last, if you took it probably fifty or sixty games, you know, Atlanta's probably been the better team than the Hornets have. But no, I, I love the Hornets too. You know, shout out to Miles Bridges. One of my favorite players to watch, you know, obviously from Michigan, Michigan State, uh, he got their connection there, but he's been balling out. And then the Hawks just had their own set of guys, right? Guys we came familiar with last year, whether it's John Collins or Clint Capella, uh, you know, Kevin Herter. And both of these teams, you know, I think they're just looking to kind of make a statement, but it's different statements for Charlotte. They just want to let you know we're going to be in the playoffs for years to come. We have one of the best young players in the NBA. We're going to orchestrate our offense around him. Who knows what happens with Miles Bridges this summer. I imagine they end up paying him. But Charlotte's trying to say, hey, we're here. No, this is our statement. And for Atlanta, they're trying to say, hey, we we won a couple rounds last year. Don't forget about us. You know, We know we slogged through the regular season, but the playoffs, everyone's 0-0 again. 
it's it's a whole new season. So I'm interested to see kind of which of those dynamics wins out. And I don't necessarily know that either of these teams are going to be an easier out. Although if I had to choose to play one, I'd probably choose to play Charlotte because I think Atlanta just has a little bit more firepower. Well, yeah, and we saw last year what happens when Trey Young gets hot. Atlanta is able to win a whole bunch of basketball games you didn't think they were able to win. Like you said, made their way upsetting the number one overall seed in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, along the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. For Charlotte, this playing game is old hat. They did this last year against Indiana. Kinda. They didn't really show up. Doug McDermott dropped like five threes on them in the first like two minutes of the game, and they were never in the game after that. Miles Bridges absolutely remembers that because he was quoted about it a little bit earlier this week. Remembering going into that game, Dougie McBucket taking them over, and they never really got going. So they, you can bet Charlotte is going to come out ready to play tomorrow's game because they did it last year where they didn't come out ready to play, and it absolutely burned them. They spent the offseason getting some experience. They brought in Montrez Harrell, Mason Plumley, They brought in IT, the other Isaiah Thomas. So they added to some firepower on that team. But, yeah, which team would I rather play? It's definitely Charlotte. As much fun as LaMelo to Miles is. When Trey Young gets hot, he's already shown what he can really do. And, you know, LaMelo's still really young in the league as well, hasn't had a chance to really show it. We'll see what happens in this game if he's able to go off. Because I really think whichever guard really goes off is going to be the team that ends up winning this game. Whichever guard takes over the game better between Trey Young and LaMelo Ball, I think his team is going to follow suit and take over the game. This one should be a heck of a lot of fun, a high-scoring affair. you got two of the top ten highest-scoring teams in the NBA. So get your popcorn ready and enjoy a high-scoring affair because there ain't going to be a whole ton of defense in this one. But it might come down to some defense in the very few minutes, the last few minutes of this game between these two guards. Yeah, we got some uh, funky courts, too. Like I mm-hmm. think they both have a version of their court that has like that little hive type of stuff. All right, and the last play-in game, the San Antonio Spurs back in the playoffs. Shocker. I mean, not really, but kind of sort of with this team. This this ain't your usual San Antonio Spurs. And it's not the Lakers facing them. It is the New Orleans Pelicans who are hosting the game, uh, despite San Antonio winning three out of four times against the Pelicans uh, in the regular season. The Pelicans are favored, and I believe that them being favored has a heck of a lot to do with C.J. McCollum, ton of playoff experience brandon ingram probably the best player on the court uh you figure the the three out of the four or four out of the five best players on the court are wearing pelicans jerseys and then you got the jonte murray (laughs) over with the spurs who has had one heck of a revival this season let everyone know he's here to stay in the nba and uh the spurs have rolled with him back into the playoffs for greg popovich and there's already rumors this might be his last go around yeah, I I guess I would think it is, you know, not based on anything, but I thought he was going to be done after like last season just because I thought he wasn't having fun, you know, coaching basketball anymore because the, the Spurs were bad. It was going in just kind of like this whole new era and it didn't seem like the Spurs really had a, a, a way out. As far as this game goes, uh, man, I so wish Zion was playing in this game. You know, we talked about it really with – a lot of these teams, right? The Nets are missing Ben Simmons. The uh, the Pelicans are obviously missing Zion, and the Clippers are missing Kawhi. And there's probably you know one that I forgot about already. Yeah, I mean, the Cats are missing Sexton. Yeah, Sexton and Allen. So it's it's kind of the story of the play-in. It seems like in just New Orleans, I guess what they've been able to do 
all year has been really impressive because if you didn't think Zion was going to, you know, play um, at the beginning of the year or at all throughout the year, you thought they'd be pretty bad. And, you know, I mean, shout out to them. Instead of, like, embracing the tank, they went and they swung a trade for C.J. McCollum to get somebody in there who knew how to win, a veteran presence, who certainly wasn't going there, you know, to lose games on purpose, right? So the, they got him, and they've been playing well ever since. And this matchup should be fun. I think this should be another really high-scoring game. And I'm I'm with you. I think the Pelicans just have more top-end talent than the Spurs do, although I've loved the season, you know, uh, Murray's put together. He's been yeah, absolutely in, incredible. I traded him away. Uh, at the beginning of the season in my fantasy basketball league. I've been kicking myself ever since. <laughs> Man. It was either him and Sabonis, and I kept Sabonis, and I traded away Murray, and I'm I'm still upset about it. Maybe my season would have gone a little bit differently. I mean, come on, Sabonis put up pretty good numbers. Hey, yeah, I know. It wasn't Jonathan Murray, though. Uh, but I, I I do think with, you know, C.J. McCollum, his experience here, and I know Pop his experience, but, you know, a lot of the other guys don't. Um, and I think, you know, Brandon Ingram, he's kind of hungry for some playoff success as well because it's something he's really never had. You know, I know they missed the bubble two years ago when they first, uh, like, introduced. It wasn't even necessarily like – it was a play-in, but it wasn't this version of the play-in. It was like the bubble version of the play-in. Um, so I just think, you know, New Orleans is going to, you know, come out today and win and at least solidify their spot in the next round of the games to face either, you know, uh, the Clippers or the, um, the Clippers Timberwolves. Talking about Timberwolves. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird to, you know, see that the Spurs are in the playoffs and yet the Spurs have like no playoff experience. No, don't they have like 34 wins or something? Like, <laughs> like, they're like a really bad record. I mean, that's what you get now with this new play, and we're 9 and 10 get to be involved as opposed to just the top eight. You're going to have some teams that uh, yeah. not have the greatest of records still getting involved in the uh, the play-in tournament. But it's, you know, for just all the years that we grew up, you know, the last 20 years where the Spurs have really always, you know, always been somewhat involved. Oh, and yeah. Top three seed every year. In the playoffs, and nobody in the rotation has even 800 minutes under their belt as far as playoff minutes. Like, And you just see that they are – you know, really outgunned at every almost every position. I mean, you look at the guards that the Pelicans have, you look at the forwards the Pelicans have, you even go to the center where they have, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, you know, versus Jacob Petal. I'm, you know, I'm going to go Jonas. I think he's a better center. Like they're just, they're, they're outgunned at every position, but they have Greg Popovich and he's got a star guard in the Jonathan Murray. And it's like, to me, that is reason alone that the Spurs can win this game. Yeah, they certainly can, right? Like as much as we just talked about the Pelicans, by by no means are the Pelicans this like behemoth of a team that that just can't be stopped. Either team, either team is capable of winning this game. There's a reason why uh, I would say the Pelicans are favored in this game, and that's I think that's who I would uh, you know tend to lean with or tend to lean towards. But San Antonio can absolutely win. Can they go much farther than that? I, I really don't think so. But no, this game tomorrow or probably tonight when you know when this comes out, yeah, they can absolutely win this game. Well, we're gonna find out. And next time we come around with this show, we're gonna have better answers about who is in the playoffs and who has been sent home. Yeah, packed. buddy. Coming up soon as well in the NBA or the NBA awards, coach of the year, rookie of the year, MVP, defensive player of the year, sixth man of the year. 
am I, am I missing any of them? I think those are the big ones. Most improved. Most improved player of the year. Thank you. <laughs> so sportsman of the year. <laughs> right. So in Detroit, we've had really only focus on one of the awards because I don't think Dwayne Casey's winning coach of the year. I don't think anyone on our team is winning MVP or sixth man. I mean, Sadiq Bay could take most improved. Luka Garza for sixth man. But I don't think it's going to happen. But there is one award that we've had a close eye on all year that is obviously rookie of the year. Now, Ryan, for the month of March, our rookie, Cade Cunningham. This is going to piss me off. I know. This man averaged basically 23 points. Basically six rebounds and seven assists. 22.9, 5.9, and seven. Hasn't been done for a full month by any rookie since one Michael Jordan. Scotty Barnes, for the month of March, averaged 17.1, 7.6, and 4.3. Guess who won rookie of the month? No, I already know. You already know. It wasn't our boy, Cade Cunningham. And I'll tell you why. Because if they gave this man Rookie of the Month, they'd have to give this man Rookie of the Year. And they have no intention of giving this man Rookie of the Year. So they made damn sure he wasn't going to get Rookie of the Month in the final month of the NBA season, even though he puts up historic rookie numbers and ends his rookie season with 17.4 points, 5.5 boards, 5.6 assists. There are 10 rookies in history that have done that. He is one of those 10. Eight of those 10 have won Rookie of the Year. The one who didn't is from Michigan. The other one who's not going to plays for Michigan. It's it's preposterous, and I fell for the okey-doke. I thought for up until maybe even a week ago, it's hard to ignore what Cade's doing. Maybe he can swoop in and steal that Rookie of the Year when he was at plus 1,600 odds probably two weeks ago. I was thinking to myself, I, I could bet this. Cade's really coming on strong. Mobley's missing whatever games. Like you said, no intention. They didn't They didn't care a lick that he's had 23-7-6 or whatever it was. He could have had 28-5-5 and they'd be like, eh, who cares? It's, it's so absurd. Not just that he's not winning Rookie of the Year. Because that is an actual debate. I don't think it's a debate that he's the best rookie. But who had the best rookie season? Fine. You can give it to whoever you want, I guess. I would still give it to Cade. He had to deal with more. He had to do way more than his counterparts. And the NBA season goes from, like, October to, what are we in now, April, right? Six months. He had the best last five months out of any of the rookies. If you're going to hold that first month against them, like, whatever, that's on you. But for... For this month, like in particular, and I've never cared about player of the month or rookie of the month. At least I thought I didn't because uh-huh. I never paid any attention. Like, is there ever like a greater injustice in player slash rookie of the month history than Cade not getting rookie of the month here? You just since Michael Jordan. Every time you even mention Michael Jordan, the NBA awards, the NBA media. Everybody goes crazy all over themselves because, oh, my God, you did something since Michael Jordan. It's the same thing. Oh, it's the first player since Will Chamberlain to do this. Last year we saw with uh, with Zion when he's doing 60 points and or 60% and you know, 25 points a game. People are like, oh, Shaq, Kareem, and Zion. Like, that's the list. And it's like, oh, my God, that's insane, right? Mm-hmm. But for 
But for Cade Cunningham, when you're putting the conversation with Michael Jordan, suddenly that's not enough because the Toronto Raptors, who have Fred Van Fleet, who have Pascal Siakam, they're out here winning games, and suddenly that matters in the Rookie of the Year award. When that's never mattered in the Rookie of the Year, it's never mattered in the Rookie of the Month award. Like, we're about to give, I, we're going to do the MVP, I guess, in a minute. We're about to give the MVP to, like, the sixth seed in the conference. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit here and tell me about, like, how much winning matters. It's it's honest to God insane. So, Kay's my rookie of the year. It is an absolute sham that he's not rookie of the month. You should throw the award away because like, what are we doing at this point? Uh, I can't imagine that. <laughs> No, Sorry, no, no, that is that the other rookie they keep mentioning him with is Magic Johnson. So when your name has been synonymous with Magic Oscar Johnson, Michael Jordan, come on, bro. it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. But Magic Johnson was the one who's from Michigan that had these numbers and did not win Rookie of the Year. Now, Larry Bird put up one hell of a rookie campaign, and I can understand why Larry Bird won Rookie of the Year. I can't understand the one runaway route that he won it by, but I can understand him winning Rookie of the Year. For Kate Cunningham, and look, Scotty Barnes ain't going to win Rookie of the Year either, though. You know, so we're talking about Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Month. Congratulations. I, I kind of think Scotty Barnes will, actually. I think Scotty Barnes. I, I think Barnes is going to win it over if Mobley. They jump Mobley, but they don't give it to Cade. That is absolutely ridiculous. The, 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 the only thing. He finished top five in for rookies. In points, he was third. Rebounds, he was third. Assists, he was fourth. Steals, he was second. Blocks, he was fourth. Field goals, he was first, and minutes played, he was first. But he's on a good team. Not a great team, not a bad team. They're a good team. And so they won a bunch of basketball games with and without him. You took Cade Cunningham off the Pistons. The Pistons are an eight-win team this season. (laughs) Probably. They are that bad without this man. For how much they use Cade Cunningham, he led all rookies in usage. He led all rookies in points per game. He was also up there, obviously, with rebounds and assists as well. He put up the numbers, while not for numbers' sake, trying to help his team, not a good team, not a great team, a bad team, win basketball games, which is where most of the rookies go who end up being involved in Rookie of the Year conversations because you're one of the first teams, one of the first players taken. You're usually on a very bad team unless some crazy trade happened to cause a good team to be in that spot. So you're usually on a bad team, and there usually isn't a you know situation where you have a rookie on a bad team going up against two rookies on playoff teams, which is where Kate is. And look, I get first impressions matter. I understand Kate had an injury in the summer league. He missed part of training camp. He missed the beginning of the season. And when he finally got into the season, it took him a little bit to get rolling. Stop looking at the first month and a half of the NBA season. Just look at the last half of the NBA season and see how dominant Kate has been when it comes to the rookie numbers compared to Mobley and Barnes and everybody else that's in the rookie class. It, it's an absolute joke that this man is not the runaway rookie of the year. Like The the thing that gets to me about it is, yeah, look at the whole season, right? It's, it's the rookie of the year award from day one to the last day of the regular season. All that should be taken into account, but – they don't spring these votes on the voters. They're not like, oh, hey, by the way, a week left, you have a rookie of the year vote. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to have a rookie of the year vote. So why would you not like take the context of what the rookies are in? You you know who the guys are before the beginning of the year that are probably going to be in the conversation, right? And you're like, oh, there's Cade, there's Jalen Green, there's you know Barnes and Mobley were certainly picked high enough 
that they were already on your minds. And then as the season progresses, you should be paying attention to these storylines and how each of these rookies are developing, what they're asked to, what they're asked to do, and what the context is surrounding like their situation. And it seems like none of the voters cared about any of that. Well, they, the votes aren't casted yet, let me say that. But from all the Vegas odds, from everybody else that has put their ballots out publicly, it seems like nobody cared about that. Uh, the only thing I would take solace in is there's a couple of voters who did have Cade number one. Uh, at, le at least one, shout out Ryan Rosillo, who said he voted Cade number one. Not that it's going to matter, but it's going to feel a little bit nicer seeing Cade Cunningham, even if he's the only one. First place votes, one, instead of a zero in that column. And he's going to be first team all rookie. I don't even care about that. We had two of those last year, or one of those. Stewart didn't make first team. Sadiq did. But it's, I don't know, man. I'm just like, it, it, it gets me fired up to think about because I don't even care that he lost the award, but not giving it to him on the month. And, you know, these voters deciding who they're going to vote for a month ago or only limiting it to two people a month ago. What do you have a vote then for? Right. Like, why are you, why? I, I don't understand. Anyway. Let's make our picks. Obviously, you know who we're picking for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Coach of the Year has already been decided. Monty Williams, Phoenix Suns, congratulations. Uh, so, I guess let's start with uh, MVP. Are you going away from, from Joker? No, I, I think we both picked Jokic on our last edition of this episode. and Or this show, I should say. And, uh, you know, he's still my pick. I thought Giannis could leap him. Even Joel, if they... If uh, they just kind of didn't do enough when well, I mean, Joel had a 40-20 game, but Jokic was still just there all year. I'd, I'd pick Jokic. Is it is it the fact that he's a triple-double threat while still able to give you 30 points that puts him above Embiid and Giannis? Because, like, all three of these guys can give you anywhere from 25 to 40 points in a game. They can all give you anywhere from 10 to 15 rebounds in a game without trying too much harder. And they can all give you a decent amount of assists, except Joker – can really give you a bunch of assists. So is that like, is that it? Um, it's it's not it. I think uh, Jokic just had a like a tougher path of teammates around him. Embiid might actually be in a tougher situation because he had dealt with like so much of the, the media circus and stuff. But, you know, Jokic was certainly playing with the worst cast of teammates. Mm -hmm. And I think if you swapped any of these guys like from team to team, if that makes sense, I think the Nuggets would be the worse off if they had Embiid, as opposed to if they had Jokic, and I think they'd be worse off if they had Giannis, who I think is you know is a better player than Jokic. I think they would have been a worse team, like worse record-wise, I guess, if right. they had uh, Giannis instead of Jokic this year. So to me, that, that's kind of what did it for me. Uh, and I mean, I know Jokic isn't the greatest defensive player, not the caliber other 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 two, but he's been pretty good on defense this year. He, he's stepped his game up to where it's not just passable; like it's good. Yeah. All right, and then uh, NBA Sixth Man of the Year. This one seems like it's been set in stone for the last two months yeah. or so. Um, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm going to pick Tyler Hero. I think everyone else is going to pick Tyler Hero. Um, I'm excited about it because for years it seemed like we saw is Manu, Lou Will, Jamal Crawford. I, I kind of like that variation in the Sixth Man Award because I think that's kind of how it should be. Someone else different. For you know, for a team at least every year, mm -hmm. steps up in that six man role and truly embraces it. You know, Hero's a guy who's been like a fringe starter for the Heat. He hasn't he hasn't always come off the bench, um, and he he didn't have the season that he wanted last year after being really hyped up after his rookie year. Um, and he's played you know like really well for for the Heat this year. And I mean, he's he's a guy I liked anyway. So I'm I'm giving it to 
to hero. Big one four. Okay. And then defensive player of the year. Is there any chance Macau Bridges steals this award away from Rudy and Giannis? Uh, I hope so. I think no. I don't think we should stop giving it to Bigs, but I wouldn't have Rudy or Giannis in the top two. Mine would be. I would. I think I would have Mikhail number one, and then Jaron Jackson number two. Although I'd want to leapfrog Jaron Jackson because my, my my Michigan State boy. But it's just harder to guard on the perimeter, and I know Giannis does it too. But I just don't think he's been as good defensively as these other guys have. It's so hard to guard on the perimeter, and I know you know Gobert. With like with with the rim protection and with the defensive rebounding, his defensive numbers are always going to be off the charts because just like what he does, and he's really good at what he does. But any of these big guys, you get him out like on an island, or you get him out on the perimeter, and it's trouble. And you can't even really necessarily say that with like Mikael Bridges because you're never going to get a situation where it's Embiid posting up on bridges, like one-on-one. Somebody's always going to come help if that situation ever even occurs in the NBA. And uh, I think with Mikhail, you know, even what he's able to do, I've seen it with Marcus Smart as well, who I think Marcus Smart may actually win it. He might be the favorite by now. But, you know, what these guys were able to do is they're even able to hold their own in the post, whether they're getting a strip or whether they're just, like, kind of causing some mayhem. And I think it's, you know, because they're so much smaller than some of these bigger guys when you see – when they think they see a mismatch, they're so much, like, closer to the ground and the ball has to bounce, right, unless you're just, like, swinging your elbows and stuff. Um, so I, I would like to see Mikhail or Marcus Smart or even Jaron Jackson win it. Uh, but I'm sick of Gobert's, you know, monopoly on this award. I mean, it's been the Gobert and Giannis show for the last so many years. Giannis won it while winning the MVP, right? And, uh, you know, because I remember that whole thing. Oh, my God, versus like Akeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan to do this. And, you know, and then it's been Gobert on and off like that. And then they, they snuck Draymond in like one time. But like, it's really been a two-man show when it comes to Defensive Player of the Year. It would be nice to see someone, just like you said, with Sixth Man of the Year. It would be nice to see someone else win it. Uh, I agree with you that – you know, picking a small forward who does the dirty work on the perimeter, not just down low where the guys come to him. He's got to go to the guys. And, you know, it's played a big factor in Phoenix being the runaway number one team this year in basketball. You know, his defense, you know, has led to other team, other teammates, you know, stepping up and playing defense as well because playing good defense is infectious. We've seen that in Detroit. You got guys that came in that had no business playing defense, learned how to play defense in Detroit. And, you know, it's absolutely an infectious nature of a team. So it'd be nice to see someone, like you said, not not who we've seen the last so many years win it and get a little surprise in there. I'd like it to see Bridges as well. Uh, I think that's it, right? We got all the we got all the awards. Uh, most improved. You keep you keep leaving out most improved. I keep ignoring most improved, man. All right, my bad. Who's your most improved? Uh my most improved is I think it's gotta be Garland. Um he really took a leap to where he's he could be a top five point guard this year. And I mean, I know he got hurt, but like just the way he's played this year, it's been unbelievable. And I kind of disqualify a guy like John Morant because that's the type of assumption that we expected. I know you had a great year, better than you had last year. Uh, but again, you know, my runner up, I'd love to give it to to my Michigan State um homie over there with Miles Bridges uh, or even DeJounte Murray we talked about earlier but I, I I think Garland should win it you know he's really led this Cavs team and uh he's ascended to honestly one of the best guards in the NBA at least for this season so look I, I don't want to give this man any any props he's a Michigan man but 
What about Jordan Poole? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the Warriors had health issues and still ended up with a three seed. They lost, they were without Clay for, you know, two thirds of the year. They lost Draymond for half the year. Steph's had issues as well as of late. But Jordan Poole, man, launched his game this year and very much kept the Warriors afloat throughout all these injury issues. Yeah, and Jordan Poole is another guy, you know, sort of like Cade, where they made their push towards the end of the year, you know, especially with Steph going down. Um, I think Jordan Poole is at 23-5-4, like over this last month of the season, on like really great shooting efficiency. Uh, but no, he's certainly a guy there that's, He's a hooper. He's going to be one of Golden State's main pieces moving forward. And, you no, know, I think that's an excellent call out by you. I wouldn't be mad at all if Jordan Poole walked away with the with the MIP award. So are we mad if John Morant gets it because he's too big yeah, I am. a star for that? I'm I'm mad because it's expected. It's not necessarily that you're too big of a star. Like if he was if he was like Desmond Bain last year, who I've heard get some chatter for this talk, and like a, a bench player, and then all of a sudden you're one of the best players in the NBA – Go go ahead and take the award, but this is something that we expected from you. We expected you to make this leap when you were drafted, when you beat Steph last year in the playing game. Uh, I think so. For John Morant, it was something that people, you know, expected to happen, and then he just delivered on it. So I, I'm not a fan of giving the the MIP award to you know just a guy like that. I get it. I get it too. I I, I always think this should go for. Just in general, like, unless you're coming back from injury, obviously. Come back from injury or something. Yeah. But if you are expected to be an NBA superstar and you showed the year before that you were already on that ascension and then you ascended more like you're supposed to, you know, to me it goes to someone, like you said, you know, all the other names that we've thrown out there that uh, weren't expected to make this jump, this leap, this quick. DeJounte Murray, Jordan Poole, you know, Miles Bridges. You know what? Even Miles Bridges might get a little. I think he's supposed to be better, and you know, I, maybe it's a Michigan State thing of me expecting it from him. But I think he's almost too good for this award as well because I'm just expecting him to continue to make that ascension to be one of the best small forwards in basketball. Uh, so I agree with you, though. I, you know, I want it to be on a you know a smaller name in general, and uh, you know, I'll be surprised if they end up giving it to John Morant just because your name should be in the MVP talks not in the most improved player talks. Like, that's how good you are, John Moran, that you're too good for this award in my mind. Uh, one, uh, before we wrap it up, I want to give you a shout-out. You said, you know, Brooklyn, they can be dangerous if Durant's out here dishing out more assists. Or just about a halftime, he's got 12 points, five boards, and six assists. Mm-hmm. So right on his way to his triple-double, and the, the Nets are cruising. They're up 13, and they have, like, a little offensive slog, so they probably should be up, like, 18. Uh, yeah, great call out by you. <laughs> they went with that game plan almost exclusively. All right, well, what wasn't a great call by me is that I completely forgot <laughs> to let everyone know that they got to like, subscribe, wherever they can find oh. us to start the show. So we're definitely hitting here at the end of the show. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, DetroitSportsNation.com. You find us everywhere you go. We got podcasts out there. All of our, all of the audios of these are on your favorite places to find podcasts as well. Absolutely. For Ryan Griffin. I'm Matt Basson. We're throwing stones. We'll be back in a couple days. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll see you guys again real soon. Yes, sir. Cade for MVP 2023.